0: your people. Lord, as I sing those words this morning, that that my eyes are fixed upon you. I confess uh, that there are are moments, there are times, there are seasons in uh, my life when I feel like that that isn't the case, Lord, and I I pray that uh, during those moments you would reorient me, that you would reorient us, that you would allow us to fix our eyes on our only hope, and that is Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. As we open up uh, your word to us, Lord, I pray that your spirit would move. I pray that your spirit would be our teacher and our guide. Lord, thank you so much that you have spoken to us um, through your son, Lord, by your spirit, and you've given us your words for life. Lord, I pray that they would uh, breathe life into us now. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your Spirit. Amen. You can have a seat. Last week we started a series called Influence. Uh, influence is the power to change or affect someone or something. Influence, the power to change or affect someone or something all of us are influential all of us can be used by god uh, to impact the life of another and there is probably no other time than when we are more influential uh, than when we open our mouths our words are influential because our words are powerful I still uh, remember a moment in my life when words were spoken to me and they impacted me in a significant way. I wish that I didn't remember these particular words, and yet I do. Uh, I uh, decided one day that I was going to confide in someone that I knew and that I loved, something uh, near and dear to my heart. I was going to share with them a dream that I had uh, for my life, something that I desired, something that I wanted to do. That thing that I desired, the thing that I wanted to do was to write a book, All right? So this was this is significant for a couple of reasons. One is I, I don't necessarily have a great command of the English language. Uh, there, there are times when I've been known to make up a word or two, have a dangling participle, just kind of sitting there not knowing what to do. And so it was significant for me to go, you know what, this is something that that I want to take a step out and I want to admit that I want to do it and I want to... Work toward it. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't think that, you know, Max Lucado would be shaking in his boots or anything. Like he was afraid that I was going to take a corner on the, the, the Christian devotional market. I knew that, you know, Wendell Berry wasn't sitting on his tractor somewhere thinking that I was going to write essays about farming. I was almost positive that Lewis and Tolkien weren't turning over in their grave worrying that I was going to write the next series that was going to be turned into a movie. Right? So, Yet, I thought, man, I want to write a book. So I told this person one day my dream, and I said, I, I really desire to write a book. I don't know exactly what I want to write about, but I, I love to communicate, and, and I'd love to give it a try. And I'll never forget their words to me. They said, they said James, uh, you can't write a book. They said, they said, this is a true story. They said, what, what are you going to say? I said, "You don't know anything. You're too young." Right? True story. Like I, I remember, I remember in that moment, man, I felt like this small. And I, I felt like I had been verbally carpet bombed. Have you, have you been there before? Have you ever been uh, the, the victim? of someone else's uh, misguided or misplaced words. Uh, Have you ever been the victim of word warfare? I have before. I think all of us probably have. Before uh, you start to feel too bad for me, though, uh, I would readily admit this morning that not only have I been the victim of word warfare, but I have also been the villain. I know that there are moments and times in my own life uh, when I have said things uh, to others that have probably had a similar effect on their heart and in their lives as those words that were spoken to me. Usually those words, when we are uh, the villain, are spoken to people who are closest to us, the people uh, that uh, we love. And I think each uh, and every one of us would probably admit uh, that we have worn both hats, right, We've been the word victim. Someone said something to us that cut us down, right? That took the wind out of our sails. And there's been times when we've spoken words to someone else uh, that has had this, the very same effect. And I'm grateful uh, this morning that God's word is not silent on our words, God's word is not silent about our words. Early in scripture, uh, God's word speaks uh, to our words. Remember the creation story in Genesis chapter 1? God spoke. Right? The divine delivered words. And what he spoke came to be. Think about the power of his words. And think about that for a moment. He spoke. And the world was created. It's interesting in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, when there is the fall that's recorded uh, for us. It's amazing the, the the games with words that Adam and Eve played. You ever notice what happened in their conversation between Adam and Eve and uh, the serpent? God's words uh, were questioned. Remember the serpent said to, to Adam and Eve. Did, did God actually say that? Did he actually say that? And so there was this the seed of doubt. God's words were questioned. God's words were twisted. Genesis chapter three says, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the tree. of, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, 'Uh, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. And God God didn't say that. You see, God's words were twisted. They were questioned. Uh, They were twisted and then they were dismissed by the serpent. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. But that won't happen. And so from the beginning of time, we see God's words questioned. We see them twisted. We see them dismissed. Remember when Adam and Eve were questioned by God um, after they ate from the tree. Adam was quick to, to pass the buck, to pass blame. He used his words to blame someone else. He blamed who He blamed god The man said the woman whom you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate When eve was questioned she blamed the serpent the serpent deceived me and I ate long before uh, We spent hours of our life playing words with friends uh, People played word games with god and I don't think uh, that we have stopped. We're still playing those games today. God's authority is challenged. It's questioned. His words are twisted. We're quick to pass the buck to blame someone else for the decisions that uh, we make. Our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. Because words are so uh, powerful, they have the ability to both uh, bring death and uh, to offer life. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 18, uh, verse 21. If you don't have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, the passage will be up on the screen for you. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, uh, says it like this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Eugene Peterson, in his uh, translation of of the Bible, his paraphrase of the Bible, uh, puts it like this. Words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit, and so you choose. Uh, Our words, your words, and my words, the words that we speak, they are not neutral. Our words are not neutral. Our words kill or they uh, give life. Our words can be used to gossip or to slander or to sling mud Or to drag others through the mud. Words are used to put people in their place. And usually that place is somewhere behind us. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of life-altering words. Maybe this morning, as we talk about the power of words, you can think back in your life to a time when words were spoken to you and it felt as if the life was being uh, sucked out of you. Typically those words begin with things like you can't, you'll never, you always never have those words spoken to you. Oftentimes people use the words spoken to us to define us or to label us. Words uh, are dangerous. Words are dangerous. You notice that words don't just visit us It seems like words always stay a while. Words don't just pass through. You don't just bump into them. It seems like words come over. They take off their shoes. They put up their feet. They sit in our favorite chair. And they stay a while. There are words that have been spoken to you that you still remember to this day. Even though they may have been spoken to you months or years or decades ago. I remember speaking with a one woman who was up in her 50s. Um, that's not old, by the way. That's just mature. She was mature. She told a story about a time when she was a little girl. She was in elementary school. She was in second grade. And she still remembers the words that were spoken to her by her second grade teacher. And there's a lot of things in her life uh, that she has forgotten. But she doesn't uh, forget the piercing words that were spoken to her some 50 years ago I mean think about the ripple effect that words can have on our lives when I and I hear stories like that it gives me pause right it gives me pause because each and every day I I too deliver words I speak words to Melissa or to my boys or to my little girl or to my friends or to my family To neighbors. And there's this part of me that wonders. I wonder these words that I'm speaking. I wonder if they'll take root in someone's life. I wonder how they'll form them or shape them or alter them. I wonder if there's people who decades from now will remember something that I said. And go, man, I'll never forget that. And not in a good way. And our words are dangerous. They're powerful. They become Uh, A chorus in our lives that we sing over and over and over again. Uh, Words kill. uh, But words also give life. I mean, think about the times in life when someone came alongside of you and spoke an encouraging word into your heart or into your life. Or think about the time a teacher came alongside of you and said, "I, I see something in you. Right. You're, you're special. You can do this. Think about the time a, a boss or a colleague came alongside of you and said, I, I noticed something in you. You're, you're good at what you do. Think about uh, the time that someone you love came alongside of you and said, I uh, forgive you. What powerful words. Think about the time a friend said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stick with you. Think about the time a pastor or a spiritual influence in your life um, came alongside of you and said, God already knows everything about you. And he still loves you. Think about the spouse, the husband or the wife that came alongside of you and said, I, I love you. I forgive you. I'm going to walk with you through this. And words are so powerful words can kill but words can give life as well a a note written an email sent a a text a phone call a passing conversation a prayer before bedtime words are remembered right words can uh, can be water for a thirsty soul Some of you are here this morning and you think, man, there was a time when someone came alongside of me and spoke a word into my life and it changed me forever. Words are powerful. And because words are so powerful, words are also problematic. Words are powerful, but words are also uh, problematic. Why is it if we know that our words are so powerful uh, do we use them in such a way oftentimes where we're inflicting harm on others? Do you ever notice how usually we have a good reason to justify uh, the words that we speak? I don't, I don't know about you, but it seems like every time I, I say something I regret, I have a good reason for it. Right? Let, me, let me share just three of my top reasons why I can just about excuse away anything that I have ever said right? First reason, number one, right? I was tired. I was tired. Have you used that one before? You, you say something you regret and you're like, you know what? I'm so sorry, but I'm tired. I didn't, I didn't sleep well last night. I was up late. I was restless. The kids were up. I had a lot on my mind. I've been working hard. I'm tired, right? i I've used that one before, by the way. I'm a little tired this morning. Just FYI, don't cross me, right? Um, I'm tired. Used that one before. It, it says, "If we're communicating, if I had a little more rest, I never would have said that hurtful thing, right? It never would have happened. If I got 20 more minutes, I would have been a new man." Uh, so sometimes I, I use the one, and maybe you've used this too. I'm I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I was such a jerk, but I'm hungry. I miss, I miss lunch, right? It's, it's like three and I haven't snacked yet. I'm hungry and I'm angry. I'm hangry, right? I'm hangry. And so the reason that I said what I said was because I'm hangry. If, if you've noticed, there, there are people out there that make commercials about this and sell candy bars, right? Here's, here's one. Here's one I came across. Get it, get it, get it. Mike, come on! Oh, you... Mike, what is your deal, oh, man? Oh, come on, man! You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh, baby! Whoa! You whoa, whoa. Snickers. Better. Better. Hey, Mike, I'm on bed. that hurt. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Man, you're not you when you're hungry. You're not you when you're hungry. You say something hurtful, something you regret, something you wish you could take back. You know what the problem is? You need a Snickers. You need a candy bar. You need a snack. Get a good meal in your system. I've used that one before. And you're frustrated, short with the kids, say something you regret, and you go, man, I'm I'm sorry, I'm just... I'm just hungry. Another one that I use is that, is as I look out and I think, man, there, there are just certain people that I feel bring out the worst in me. You know, you ever meet someone like that? Like for some reason, I mean, God and in His infinite wisdom, He created someone to agitate you for the rest of your life, right? And every time you're around them, you you feel that. Right, and, and you walk away from a conversation and, and you know that you've said things that you regret. Words came out of your mouth where you're like trying to pull them back in as they're coming out. And you're just going, man, I'm, I'm sorry. They just, they just bring out the worst in me. Right? By the way, that apology never works. Right? To go back to that person and just say, I'm sorry, but you just bring out the worst in me. Right? I mean, no offense. No, no offense. I just don't like you never goes over well. Right? Words are powerful, and because they are powerful, they are problematic. Right? And so oftentimes we're, we're so quick to excuse away the words that we speak. And yet I think there's, there's wisdom for us in thinking before we speak. Right? Think before you speak. I, I came across this, this little thing uh, maybe 10 years ago. And at the time, I thought it was pretty helpful. Have you ever heard this before? Think before you speak, right? The T stands for, is it true? All right, is what I'm going to say true? All right. the H stands for helpful. This is what I'm going to say helpful? Right, the, the I stands for inspiring. This is what I'm going to say inspiring? But right, the N stands for necessary. Are the words that I'm going to speak, are they necessary? Are they needed? And the K stands for kind. Is what I'm going to say kind. I like that. It's kind of helpful. A little bit. You know what the problem is? I never think about that when I'm talking. I don't. There's like a reflex that I have where... Someone speaks and says something to me and I say something back. I don't step back and go, hold on a moment. Is it true? Yes, it's true. Right? Is it helpful? Oh, it will be. Right? It will be. Is it inflicting? Yes, it. I mean, is it inspiring? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't, like, I'm not going through that process as I'm having a conversation with someone. My, my natural reflex isn't to think. My, my natural reflex is just to speak. So why do we do that? Why, why do I do that? Why do you do that? Is it, is it really because we're, we're hungry? Is it, uh, is it because we haven't had a lot of sleep? Is it because someone rubs us the wrong way? Is it because we haven't thought through our helpful... T-H-I-N-K. Jesus actually diagnoses the problem for us in Luke chapter 6, verse 43. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. Jesus says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Did you see the diagnosis there? Jesus pinpoints... The problem when he says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the misguided words that I speak. right? The culprit. Is me. And the, the reason that that I say the words that I do is because I'm I'm drawn From the vocabulary of my heart. And it's springing forth in that moment. So so my biggest problem. When it comes to choosing my words wisely. Is me. In, In your biggest problem. In choosing your words wisely. Is You. This is what Jesus is, is teaching. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I and mean, we see this played out a, n- a number of different ways. Uh, sometimes we say something that we shouldn't say. and be honest. Have you ever said something you haven't said before? Yes, I think. Everyone has. Right? so words come out of your mouth and, and you, you, you regret it. You, you say something. You're, you're trying to maybe hurt someone intentionally or unintentionally, sometimes what's scary is we do this and we don't even know it, right? right. Some of us just function in such a way where it's, it's quick for us to talk and we don't even understand the ripple effect that our words have on others, right? Because we're confident in ourselves. We're confident in what we say and what we speak, right? Our confidence can leave, uh, to lead to someone else's carnage, Right? And, we're, and we're quick to go, well, they, <laughs> they're overly sensitive. Right? Or they need to develop some thick skin. No. No, we need to watch our words. Right? There, there, are, there are times, there are, are moments when we say something that we shouldn't say. Do you know there are also moments in life when, when we don't say something... That we should say. Or there are times when we say something that we shouldn't say. But there are also times in life when we don't say something that we should say. And sometimes it's easy to sit back and go, oh, I, I'm, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm going to be careful. I don't want to talk out of turn. I'm just going to be quiet. And there are times when we're called to Speak. I'm reading this biography on Dietrich Bonhoeffer by Eric Metaxas. I don't know if you've read it or not. It's a great book. It's, it's a big book. There aren't a ton of pictures, and so it takes a long time for me to get through. But I've been almost halfway home. I'm working through it. And I came across this story in there that I thought was so profound um, after Hitler... Um, resigned from the League of Nations. He wanted Germany's army to be built up to be on the same level with all of the other powerful nations. And so he withdrew Germany from the League of Nations. And Bonhoeffer immediately noticed that this was an issue. He goes, this isn't going to end well. Right? Bonhoeffer was, man, he was like almost prophetic. Like he saw things that so few others even within the church ever saw. Right? So, so Hitler makes this move. He says, we're going we're gonna to withdraw from um, from the League of Nations, we're going to build our military. And Bonhoeffer's going, uh, I don't, uh, time out. It's not a good idea. Martin uh, Niemöller, who's a, was a spiritually, I mean, Christian guy, um, wanted the church and the state to be so separate that he actually sent a, a, tele, a telegram to, to Hitler congratulating him on the recent move. Right, and Bonhoeffer and one of his friends is going. Ah, uh, I don't think that was a good idea. This guy Martin uh, Niemoller, um, shortly after, a couple years after he sent his congratulations to Hitler, uh, his life radically changed. He was actually imprisoned in a concentration camp for eight years. For eight years, as Hitler's personal prisoner. And he famously famously wrote these words. He said, first they came for the socialist, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came, came for the trade unionist, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. And then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. There, there are moments in life when your words are needed. There, there, there are moments in life when, when the best possible decision you can make is to speak up, is to use your words. And I, I hope as a church we are a courageous people and a wise people With the words that we speak There are times when uh, we say something that we shouldn't say Uh, There are times when we don't say something that we should say And there are also times when we say the right thing uh, but in the wrong way There are times when we say the right thing But in the wrong way Maybe you've experienced this before maybe in your own life in the life of someone you know or love, there are times when we hear someone say something, and we know in our hearts that what they said is true right? it 's accurate they 're shooting straight with us, but they say it in such a way that they alienate their audience it 's like you 're right, but I almost don 't want you to be. Did you ever have that experience before there, there, are, there are moments there are times when we can say the right thing but in the wrong way. There are times in life when in the name of truth, we trumpet our cause, um, but not in a loving way. We're just kind of jerks about it. There are other times in life where in the name of love, we trumpet our cause, but we withhold truth. We just say, well, I want to be loving. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. When really we need to, to speak up, speak out. Uh, Tim Keller, everyone's favorite Presbyterian, wrote this. uh, Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Think about that for a second. Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us. And we love that, right? I mean, you want to be supported? You want to be affirmed? And it feels loving in the moment. People always have nice things to say about us. It feels good. It supports and affirms us, but it keeps us in denial about our flaws. Do you have anyone in your life that loves you enough to tell you something that's difficult to hear? Do you have anyone in your life that loves you enough to tell you something that's difficult to hear? to hear? Are you willing to hear it? Or the minute you hear it, are you quick to dismiss them? Like that goes that friendship. You cross me. I won't happen again. Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. He goes on to say truth without love is harshness, right? It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. Maybe you've had that experience before. Man, someone, someone thinks it's their role just to drop truth into your life. Doesn't matter how it's delivered, man, but they, they come with like guns ablazing, And they're going to tell you something because truth matters and you need to hear it. And truth delivered is the most loving thing that you could ever receive. So you're going to like it. Right? And you're like, ooh, like... I don't want to hear it. But there's a, a way to deliver words that are true, but without love. And, w- and when we do that, it is it is just harshness, right? So, I mean, when you think about this, is there, is there any part of you that goes, um, "Okay, I can I can say something that I shouldn't say. That's that's bad. Um, I cannot say something when I should say something. Um, that that's bad." I can say something that's true, but I can say it in the in the wrong way and, and that's bad. Right? And you get to the point in life where you're like, like what like what's my hope? Like, like like how do I navigate through these these, these guideposts? Like how can I use what, how can I use my words in such a way that they're God glorifying and Christ exalting? Where, where I'm not uh, doing damage or, or leaving a wake behind me. I mean, how do we respond? How do we respond when we say something that we're not supposed to say, or we don't say something that we should say, or we say something that's right, but we say it in the wrong way? And this this might sound overly simplistic, but I believe that in those moments, Scripture calls us to confession. Scripture just calls us to be open and honest about the fact that that we have a tendency to be a broken people and we say things that we shouldn't say. James chapter 3 verse 2 says for we all stumble in many ways and if anyone does not stumble in what he says he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. Right? We all stumble. All actually in the in the Greek means all there all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. There are no perfect men or women. There's not. When you think, well, I don't, I don't want to admit to it. I don't, like, I, don't, I don't want to have that difficult conversation. I don't want to admit that I said something that I regret. I don't want to have to say that I'm sorry. But man, I, I, think, I think confession is one of the truest signs of spiritual growth. Confession is one of the truest signs of spiritual growth. We oftentimes live life in such a way that we think spiritual growth is this inching closer to perfection. And when we're 82, we're going to finally arrive. But we're getting closer by the day. Do you, know, you know, spiritual growth is actually having a growing awareness of your brokenness and your sinfulness and being willing to admit that you cannot fix yourself. Right, So you, you roll in here this morning and we, we talk about words and the importance of words and you may leave and on your way home, you're like, yeah, I mean, I've been guilty of that before. I need to be careful. I need to watch my words. I'm going to think. And you know what's going to happen? is you, I mean, you may have a good run. Right, you, you may go to the restaurant after the service today and not say anything you regret. Right, But like 1227, your appetizer is going to be late. Service is going to be bad. You're going to be disappointed with the tacos, right? And you're going to want to unleash fury on someone, right? Your kids aren't going to like magically get in the car and talk about the Bible lesson they learned. They're not going to say, yes, mom. Yes, dad. Every time you want them to say it, your spouse is going to irritate you or agitate you on Monday morning. You're going to go to work and your boss is going to tick you off, right? And life is not going to go the way that you want it to go, right? And, and, and you're going to be there again. Man, I I wish that wasn't the case. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've said things that I've regret, that I regret. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, that, I hope nobody heard that. And then my second thought is like, man, I'm gonna straighten up. I'm not gonna say that again. Man, it seems like all too often, right around the corner, there's another opportunity. But in those moments, God calls us to confession confession is spiritual progress right confession is spiritual progress so if you're here this morning um, i want to move you toward that the second thing that i want you to know is that our ultimate hope in life our ultimate hope in life is in jesus right so apart from jesus you take jesus out of the picture and you go hey be careful with your words watch your words people like on some level we know that you say something regrettable then something bad's going to happen you send out a tweet about a basketball team that you're about to defeat and you lose your job you go don't oh that was a mistake people people know that they should guard their words people know that but just to know that that doesn't instill any hope in our hearts Right? Our, our hope is the fact that, that even though we oftentimes speak imperfect words, that, that we serve a perfect Savior right? that came and lived a perfect life. He never said anything that he regretted. He never thought back and go, ah, I might like to have that back. I wish I could have phrased that differently. I felt like I was misunderstood. I wish I would have had more courage in that moment. He never said that. He was perfect. Right? And so that's our hope is God's, is God's people. Tim, Tim Keller, um, that quote I read earlier, this is what he says at the end. He says, God's saving love in Christ uh, for us is marked by radical truthfulness about who we are and yet also radical, unconditional commitment to us. The merciful commitment strengthens us to see the truth about ourselves and repent. The conviction and repentance moves us to cling to and rest in God's mercy and grace. Man, I love that. So we, we confess, right? And then, and then we rest. We rest in God's mercy and in his grace. Without Jesus, we are uh, without hope. All right words, words kill, And words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. So choose wisely. This morning, if you are here and you have been uh, the victim of word warfare, I want to say something to you. Like I I just want you to know that, um, that I'm sorry and I understand on some level. Not fully, but I get it. I've been there before. I know how words spoken to you can can crush you. I know how words spoken to you years ago uh, can alter the trajectory of your life in a radical way. I know that you can think that those words spoken to you by someone else define you, but they don't. They, They don't define you. But but I want you to know something else, and this might be a little more challenging to hear. Right, if you're here this morning and you feel like you've been the victim of word warfare, like I, want, I want to challenge you to extend forgiveness to that person. Because forgiveness has been extended to you. Right, so... Maybe that means a phone call or a conversation or a letter. Maybe it means a coffee with someone that you've distanced yourself from. Maybe you're in a situation where you can't have that conversation. And it just means going to the Lord, going, man, I, I, like, I release this person. I'm not going to hold this against them anymore. And if you're here this morning and, uh, and, and maybe you haven't uh, been the victim of word warfare, but you have been the villain. When I, when I say that, I mean, you can think of a dozen times right off the top of your head where you've said things that you regret, right? and, you, and you know it. Like when you spoke the words, you knew it was a low blow. You were trying to inflict, you were trying to harm the other person. I want to I challenge you to pursue that person and ask for forgiveness, right? And when you ask for forgiveness, don't tell them that you were, that you were tired or that you were hungry or they rub you the wrong way and bring out the worst in you. Right, just, just admit that what you said in that moment was, was wrong. And ask for their forgiveness. And some of you are here this morning and you don't, you can't even begin to understand the gravity of that your words have in a good way in someone's life. Right, there, there are people that you're sitting next to or across from that think the world of you. And I want you to think for a moment of, of what would it look like to come alongside of that person and just breathe words of life into them. And I pray that you would do that this week. I pray that if you've been a, a, a victim of word warfare, that you would release that person, that you would pursue a conversation. If you've been the villain, I pray that you would, you would pursue a conversation with that person and seek forgiveness. If you're here this morning, man, I, I challenge you this, this week to look to the people that God has placed in your life and just speak words of life into them. And I pray that God would help us uh, to do that by his grace. Let's pray together. God, thanks so much for uh, the power of your word. I uh, thank you that what you say about us is true and is trustworthy. Lord, I thank you that you have the ability to um, to navigate our misplaced words and our misspoken words, uh, the words that we've said that have been harmful, and you can still use those in someone's life ultimately for their good and for your glory. And so I pray that you would do that this morning god if there's conversations that people here need to have with people they know and love i pray that you would give them uh, the courage to do that i pray that they would be willing to have the hard conversation i pray that you would give them uh, the strength uh, to pursue that Um, god for for those of us here this morning who lord it just seems like you've you've given so many of us in here the ability to speak truth into someone's life in such a way that it uh, it just breathes life into them i pray that those folks would be encouraged to have those conversations this week as well. God, we love you. We need you. God, we're so desperate for you. If left to ourselves, uh, we are without hope. And so I pray that you uh, might help us uh, this morning as only you can. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit.